It's the Zaya Show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Zaya Show. And I know y'all see me in a different format. If you are, I'm in video now. So I hope you are enjoying the choker and makeup for this special occasion. Today, I have Mike Amil, and he is just a great person overall. I love him so much. Please give it up for Mike. Hey, Zaya, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on, being the first guest that's actually on video format. So the first thing is, tell us about what do you do? Because I know you have a special men's group about, I'm going to let you explain it, but just explain to our listeners and viewers like about your men's group. Yeah, that is a question, right? What do I do? So uh, what I do for work, I've been doing it for about eight years now, is I do what I call mapping sensitivities. I map someone's life and just get a sense of what do they naturally subconsciously do when they're successful? Or why does that turn them on? You know, what are they sensitive to? What is their secret sexual superpower? Uh, why do they hold shame around this issue? Or why do they struggle with body image around this issue? And so basically what I'm doing is kind of answering the unanswerable questions. And I do that by mapping someone's life. And so like you mentioned, um, I periodically run a GBTQ plus men's group where I work with men or any male identified person to help them answer a lot of these questions. Like, you know, we get lots of stuff, you know, somebody who's struggling with body image, someone who says, Mike, I think I have this really weird fetish and something is wrong with me and I'm fucked up. Here's the thing. Nobody is fucked up. And Nobody. like fetishes and desires are beautiful. And we can understand every single one of them. In fact, we can go over that today if you want. But we can explain yeah. so many stories of people who come and tell me they're fucked up. And we go through one of their fetishes. And they're like, oh, that makes total sense to me. And that's the thing. Everything about you makes sense according to your sensitivities. Yes, I just feel like the way social media affected like how we look at fetishes just make it harder for people to be honest and open especially through their sexual relations about fetishes because i know some people i know some people be like oh i don't like a guy that likes feet and then a guy that likes feet gonna keep it you know closed off and don't want to say nothing until like Mm -hmm. a year after and be like yeah i really wanted to you know touch your feet totally and they don't i feel like we don't ask why in the community we just so like i want this i want that based off of the immediate gratification yeah well you know i think that there's so much um in the queer community believing that you are wrong or your desires are wrong so you know we grow up being told what we feel what we desire what we know about ourselves is wrong And that really gets in there deep, you know, in ways you don't even realize. And so it can be really hard to trust your desires to say, this is right. Like, I don't care how kinky or slutty or sexy this is. Like, this is right. Everything I desire is right. Everything about me is right. And that is really what my work is all about, is understanding that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, um, a baby who was born sensitive to connected is going to want to look their moms in the eye, right? And it's going to want to feel really connected. As that same child gets older, they're going to be hypersensitive to connected. That's going to be a child who is going to be sensitive anytime they're rejected or left out. That's going to be somebody who's always going to want to bring people together and make the community. That's going to be someone who might really enjoy eye contact during sex 
or missionary sex where they can see one another. There's predictable things we can start yes. to understand. Now, when this person starts, you know, fetishizing things about deep connection or somebody, you know, let's say staring you in the eyes while you masturbate, that's not surprising. In fact, it's all related to the same sensitivity. And once we understand that, we're like, oh, I'm not fucked up. I'm awesome as I am. And I know how to claim my desires and now ask for them and have better sex and better relationships. Right. Because honestly, personally, for me, like I'm, I just turned 21 Capricorn season. So I could drink Mm -hmm. now. But I felt for the longest, especially like in my teenage years, like, oh, something's wrong with me because I am a person that like eye contact. Like I like seeing eye to eye. Honestly, you could tell I love eye makeup. But. It felt for a long time until I got into like a real serious relationship where I didn't feel like, okay, something's wrong with me. So literally like people just need to, you know, There's get so it out much that. And you know, one thing uh, that I'm thinking about with this is many of us queer men learn about sexuality through porn, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's not great sex education, let's be honest. So that's the main <laughs> way not. that most of us learn. It's right? Not. And so it's, you know, it's, as we're learning through porn, a way that many of us identify with our sexuality is by projecting it out, right? By mm-hmm. seeing it in other people and not really claiming it for ourselves. And so something we get really good at or really common to us is we'll be scrolling Instagram and we'll be like, oh, that guy's really hot or I wish I had his body. Yes. Or we'll be you know, putting fire signs on this picture <laughs> and then feeling bad about ourselves, right? Yeah. Because we don't look like that. And, like, that's... Yeah. and so this creates this whole dynamic where we don't actually get to claim our own sexuality. We're very good at projecting it. And one thing I really love, just I'm going to throw out there as a simple mapping exercise for everyone listening, is next time you're watching porn or next time you're on Instagram, you see a hot guy, before you, you know, say, oh my God, that guy's so hot and I'm ugly or something's wrong with me, yeah. pause and ask yourself, what emotion is turning me on here? Does he look really dominant in this picture? Does he look really vulnerable? Is it something mm-hmm. really connecting? I can see his eyes. Does he look free and liberated? Just pause, ask that question. And once you ask that question, do me a favor, take a picture of yourself feeling that emotion. You could be nude if you want. You could be sexual if you want. It doesn't matter. But feel the very emotion that just turned you on and look at your body expressing it. You do that enough times and I guarantee it changes your body image. Because the thing is, we are all sensitive to something that's turning us on. And yet, as many of us queer men, especially queer men of color, never Definitely. see. We have much less representation seeing Facts. bodies expressing those very things. So yes. how could you find your own body sexy if you don't see it that often? You know, especially if we don't yeah. see our own body represented. And this is where it gets really important to take a pause Ask ourselves, what actually turned us on? And fuck that guy. Like, great, that guy's hot. That's not going to affect my life. I don't know him. (laughs) I want my sexuality for me. I want something that empowers me and empowers me in the bedroom. And so if I pause and see my body in that way, say, ooh, that's sexy. I'm turned on by vulnerability. Let me see what it looks like vulnerable. Let me see my body looks like vulnerable. Now I'm suddenly getting turned on by my own body. And that's a way, especially queer men, because we are so used to projecting it out into porn, into people we like, that we never take it back in. And it's really hard to love our body if we don't sexualize and see our own body in that way. I agree. Especially since, you know, I'm a theater person. I do acting. And one exercise that we normally did, honestly, through my high school uh, theater, it's like we would put the mask on basically like a whole like, I forgot the name of it, but it's like a whole mask and it's based off of the French uh, theater. And it's Mm -hmm. like, show your emotions 
without even trying to judge yourself like just do it mm. comes through instinct so i feel like as well y'all could do that you know yeah. I, several times like sometimes i will be like in pictures i ain't gonna lie to you of harry styles and i'm just like oh girl it's the hair for me <laughs> but i just feel like honestly just being open and aware about it don't be too hard on yourself and realize like hey there's not just a six-pack guy and the skinny size guy like we are all different types of sizes and i feel like people just have to learn to love them but we don't have representation so you know right. says sometimes you got to be your own uh inspiration and advocate so sometimes that. you look at them and be like oh yes girl i love them stretch marks on me and it's okay it's okay because totally. a person that will love you will love you for all who you are and that's the thing, you know, I, uh, I tell this story all the time, but for the first six years of knowing my now husband, I was not attracted to him at all. So I was not attracted to this man. And now I'm in love with him. And I honest to God think he is the best looking person in the entire world. I don't think there's anybody sexier. How does that happen? That happens because love increases attraction. And I think that, you know, for many of us, we have this myth, a lot of us queer men, we think like, oh my God, we're just going to meet someone and it's love at first sight and we fall in love and head over heels and everything's perfect. I feel perfect. like this and, is me. <laughs> yeah, well, right? And, and, you know, I have so many friends who say to me, well, you know, I feel so much closer to you and my close friends than I do this guy, so something must be wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? This is a stranger. You have just met him. How could you feel closer to him than somebody you have known for years? That doesn't make any sense. Okay. But we have this myth, right? Yes, but in my head, I'm going to explain because I'm this type of person. In my yeah. head, I am a deep, I love deep like conversation. So if we have a conversation like till 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be like, oh, this is my husband in my head. Like I'm already going to see a future and everything just from mm. one deep conversation. Totally get it. <laughs> Well, so a few things I have to say about that, Zaya, because I don't think it's uncommon. Many of us have that exact same pattern, especially here in the queer community. Yes. And I think, number one, again, we're so used to projecting our energy, especially when it hasn't been safe to explore ourselves, embody ourselves, express ourselves at certain points. We're used to projecting that out, whether that's into porn, right. whether that's into fantasy, so that whether it's into the guy we just had a great conversation <laughs> with. So that happens a lot. Second is you probably are really, and I can tell it from this conversation, sensitive to deep conversations, right? Sensitive to things that are real and raw. And that's awesome. And so if you don't have a lot of that in your life, when you get a little bit of it, you're going to cling on and grab oh, onto it because you want that, right? Yes. So you've got these two things going on here. But I say this because I always want to tell queer men, you know, attraction and intimacy grows over time. It's okay if you're kind of like, I really like this person, but like, I don't know if it's my end all be all. That's okay. Like, I think it's okay to give a chance and to try mm -hmm. things. And even if we are, and I get this a lot, I get a lot of men who come to me who are in a relationship and they're on the verge of divorce or they're like not having sex anymore or, you know, it's my long-term relationship. And they say intimacy has waned. And I said, okay. And it can increase too, like yeah. with conscious effort. So what turns you on? What are you sensitive to about this person? And I always go back to that place because I told you, I wasn't attracted to my husband at first. And then one day I saw, I was really sick. I was very vulnerable. I was vomiting blood every day and yeah. he took care of me. And I said, wait a minute, he's safe. I'm vulnerable. I'm seeing something going on here. Mm. And that's changed our relationship. And so you know, when you know what you're sensitive to, you kind of know why you're feeling what you do or not yeah. feeling what you do. Yeah, I agree with that, especially like for me. And I know like some other people, it's like 
when you have a deconversation, it's not just the fact of like me getting to know your social security number. No, I don't want that. <laughs> I want to know like the person, like who you were and who you're trying to become, but also see that side that you hide from the public. I just feel like there's something, I feel like all of us, especially in the queer community, where we hide a certain part of ourselves because we don't want to be judged. And we feel like, oh, even though I'm in this safe uh, organization, I still want to hide myself just for my protection. And when you have that one person that could open that side up to you, and I feel like there's self-work with there as well. But when you have that person that open up that side to you through them deep conversations, you just feel automatically like, okay, this is like my one-to-one. Even if they have all the red flags in the world, I'm not saying go with the red flags, honeys. But if you feel that one connection, I get it. I get it. My mom is the same way. So I was yeah. like, I get it. <laughs> totally. And like, I mean, again, like to not shame ourselves even if we are going for these guys who have all the red flags but we have that deep connection or we feel safe that's something we're really sensitive to and so that means we're going to feel it deeper than anything else and we'll ignore yeah. all the other stuff we because we feel it. that thing really deeply and yeah. that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but what we're going to start to realize is we have other sensitivities and when we can start to look at like maybe the five or six sensitivities we have we mm-hmm. want someone to check all of these boxes on some level and so and if they don't check those boxes, we want the language to ask for what we need. Yes. So I'm sensitive to vulnerable. Like I said, every time I get in a fight with my husband, I say, okay, what's going on here? Do I not feel vulnerable enough, zany enough, free enough? Oh, that's what it is. And I'll literally just say that. I'll say, you know, Garrett, I feel like I can't be vulnerable here, that you're shutting me down, and that's why I feel upset. And so right. it helps me understand why am I upset about this? What's really going on in this situation? And on the same side, if I'm ignoring red flags and yeah. everybody's warning me this is going wrong, I'll say, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then that gives me tools to understand it yeah. and maybe ask this person who has red flags for what I actually need from them. Yeah, because I remember my first college boyfriend and it was like, Larry, I met him in the same night and then we just had a whole deep conversation and I was just like, and he's like, you want to be my boyfriend? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and my friend was like, Isaiah, this is the biggest red flag. But then again, I came from a strict house, so I did not mm-hmm. know how to navigate a real sure. relationship like I would now mm-hmm. at 21. So we dated for like six months. All like before COVID, and when I tell you, all my friends were just like Isaiah, please don't get your heart broken, please don't. And I was like, he just very sensitive, and I don't know, because it's like I wouldn't feel as free or vulnerable enough, or I would feel like okay, he just using me for one aspect. But I was like, okay, but isn't this how relationships supposed to go? I don't know, you know, like already in the queer community we so used to being judged so like when my friends are saying red flag red flag i automatically just shut them out i'm like you're not about to ruin this happiness for me this happiness for me and then you know when covid hit we broke up because of some issues and you know i had to do the work on myself and then re-navigate like okay why did what did i like about him what type of things did i not like and that honestly helped me navigate to my next relationship which was better but then there were other issues. So I just feel like each relationship and people need to understand, especially, I feel like everybody needs to understand this. You're not going to find that Prince Charming one time. Now, if you do, good for you. But most of us says no. <laughs> so you need to take each bad relationship. Well, not even bad relationship, most of them. But you know, like all your relationships and take one thing from each. Like, okay, I learned this about myself. I learned this. I learned that. I learned how to be a better communicator. So it's not only like pointing a finger. I feel like it's so easy, especially on social media, to be like, yeah, he was a cheater. He did this. He did that. Da, 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 and you don't even check yourself. 
And then mm-hmm. you want another yeah. guy to take care of you and you don't even know what you did wrong in the relationship. You didn't bother asking, like, did I not make you feel comfortable enough? Did I not feel, fulfill your sexual pleasures? Did I not fulfill your needs with your family? Because I know some guys that I dated were close with their family and I was like, oh no, sis, I don't want to meet the family. So you just got to evaluate yourself. Totally. I mean, th- th- and this is beautiful because we have a treasure trove of data. Our entire lives are telling us, you know, we're attracted to certain things, things are working out, certain things aren't. If we can map that, and that's basically what I'm saying mm-hmm. when I say map sensitivities, if we can map that and say, why did that happen? What attracted me to this relationship? And then why didn't it work out? We learn a little bit more about ourselves. Oh, and absolutely. that's just to give us tools so that we can say, okay, in the next relationship, what am I actually looking for? Or how do I ask for what I need? You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people, if you're not getting what you want in a relationship, here's the first thing we all do. We all want to make it about the other person. We're like, screw you. You screwed me over. You're a bad person. You don't give me what I need. And I always say, and, and that may be true. They may not be capable of giving you what you need. I don't know. But before I make that assessment, what I like to do is I say simply, okay, what is it that I'm really looking for and needing? Can I give it to myself? Like if I'm looking for connection, am I even comfortable receiving connection? Maybe mm. I'm not. And that might be a me block. So let me look at that. Number two, have I asked for it directly? Have I just very flat out not asked them to read my mind, but said, this is what I need. Can you give it to me? And number three, have I made it easy for them to give it to me? And by that, what I mean is if I want connection with my husband, have I like suggested a date night or made time for a date night? Because if I'm not doing that, then it's not going to be very easy right. to give that thing to me. And so when I do all of that, and then I say, nope, this person still can't give it to me, that's fine. They're not capable of it. That's okay to end that relationship. But starting and just noticing, because I work with a lot of men who say they want intimacy, and then they realize they're actually not comfortable with intimacy, and they're the ones blocking it. And this can happen so often for so many of us. Because again, we're always projecting that energy out rather than saying, wait a minute, let me really feel good about myself. Because Mm -hmm. in any relationship, I don't give a shit about this other person. What I care about is that you are the happiest person you can be. And if this relationship is a fit for that, that's awesome. If it's not a fit for that, I still want you to be the happiest person you can be. That's what I care about. Yeah, because for... People that like for me, like for just a person that loves to like give and give when people when a person just trying to give to me, I'm just like, ah, you did totally. Something. Yeah, because I feel like well, it's in my book. Start smiling. That's gonna come mm-hmm. out soon. But I talk about mm-hmm. like how I feel like certain childhood moments because my parents normally would give to me when something went wrong. So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, here's a toy, but this isn't your real father. And so mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. put like giving as like, okay, something bad is about to happen. So if someone give me a gift right now, like for my birthday, I'll be like, thank you. Is everything okay? Like I would hit that, like you know. But I feel like I took that, like you take certain parts of your life into relationship. I feel like people, like when they say like, I'm fully healed, like you could be fully healed. Yes, I agree. But I literally told my sister this because, you know, she's trying to start dating because she's about to graduate high school. And she's like, I can't find a guy. I was like, okay, sis, I know I'm not really good with guys myself, but what do you want? And she's 17. I would expect her to say it all the way down, like, I got half the list down. But you just need, like, you're still learning more about yourself. And I feel like when people just like, go with just physical features like i want a guy that's tall i want a guy that's hung i want a guy that's uh, Mm uncut like oh my gosh like so grinderish like you Mm -hmm. can't Mm -hmm. expect a physicality to match with your emotional if you're not saying like what you want emotionally i feel like affirmations and manifestation is the way to go and i'm gonna continue saying it so (laughs) 
I just all oh, focus well. on the physicality. So I'm like, whatever that person come through, like it, it could be like a transgender, bisexual, mm-hmm. like I'm sure. open to it. Of course, of course. As long as you fulfill my needs, I'm good. I'm fine. I and love I fulfill it. your well, needs. Well, I love it because, you know, what you're saying is I think so often we've taken the humanness out of dating or the humanness out of sexuality. And, you know, we we want a certain size penis. We want a certain body type. We want a whatever. But what is that ultimately trying to make us feel? Like, am I looking for a big, strong, dominant man because I want to feel submissive? Is that the thing? And if that's the thing, guess what? It's not just his body that's going to make me feel that. It's the role play. It's the actions in bed. It's the way we talk. Like, once I get clear on what I actually want to feel, what I'm really seeking, then it becomes a personality match. Because 99% of the time, I'm not having sex in a relationship. I'm doing other things like going out to dinner and hanging out and watching TV. <laughs> yes, sex is an important part about the relationship, but it's not everything. So if I want a real relationship, I have to look at, okay, what's the essence I'm getting from this person that's not just in sex? It's going to be in right. sex, but it's also going to be everywhere. And the other thing I want to say about, you you mentioned this pattern, which, you know, unfortunately for a lot of us, is very common that we've given been given things on a condition, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll give you this, but it's because something bad is happening or it's because it comes with a condition. Yes. And one thing I love is bring that into the bedroom. You know, sex should be a playground for us to work out all of our shit. And so if we want to play with like, let's say, you know, I'm going to give you a blowjob, but only if you say this to me or only if you do this and you act as a game, as fun, not in an abusive context because the rest of the relationship is um, beautiful. But during sex, we get to take on these roles and try out things that we wouldn't do elsewhere. Mm. And that can be really, really beautiful because now we can work through our shit about, um, you know, being given things conditionally by actually playing with it and exploring it with someone we feel safe with. And so once we have this place where we feel safe, play, get kinky, you know, play with power dynamics, be dominant, be submissive. The sex should be fun and it should be natural. If it ever feels like pressure, we're doing it wrong. (laughs) We want to feel it, it, it. First of all, it doesn't matter the size, shape of things. It doesn't matter if things finish. Doesn't matter if things get hard. Doesn't the only rule about sex that I have is that it feels good for all parties involved. I don't care anything else. I don't care if nobody finishes. If it feels good (laughs) for everybody involved, that's great sex. That's all I care about. And so I want you to figure out what do you need to feel for amazing sex and be able to ask for it and have great sex every time. Yes. I feel like most people, especially my generation, you know, because we're we're young and we were raised with social media. So we feel like, okay, sex is supposed to be where we show up. Like talk that talk about walk that walk. I feel like that's where most of mm-hmm. us like. Yeah, I told him that I'm gonna do this, so I'm gonna do it, even though it doesn't feel right in that moment. Cause I feel like even parts of me, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this and this, and I was speaking dominant one day, and I was like, I feel like real submissive today, girl. Like I don't want to do that. So I feel like sometimes we put ourselves in different situations where we don't even have to. Cause I feel like if we're not already telling the guy like, hey, or them, or you know, like, hey, like. I don't feel this way today. It feels like we feel like we're letting down a person almost. Yeah. And I know some of my well, friends feel like, you know, like sex shame because they don't want to do a certain position or they don't want to say this thing. And you're just like, but the guy's real cute. So I guess I'm going to do it. I'm like, sis, no. Oh, Isaiah, you're really speaking to my heart here. So I've, no. I, I, I say this one a lot and it's really important for me. You know, If friends ask me to go out to eat at a restaurant and I go on the menu two days ahead of time and I look up the thing I'm going to order and I'm all excited and then I get to the restaurant and that night I don't want to order it, 
I'm not committed to ordering that goddamn thing. <laughs> and if I order it and I take one bite and it doesn't yes. taste good, I don't have to keep eating it. And if it's cold, I can ask for it to be heated up. What goes into my body, I get to decide and I can change my mind at any moment. And it's the same right. thing with sex, right? If I said two days ago, I'm going to do all this kinky stuff and I get there that night, I'm entitled to changing my mind. And I put it in my mouth for one moment and don't like yes. it. I can take it out. <laughs> I can ask for it. You know, something else to be happening if I need to heat it up. You know, I am not required to keep eating that food, right? right. Same with sex. I can stop in the middle and say, I'm uncomfortable. This doesn't feel good. I want this. This is what I need. Yeah. This Especially if we are the receptive party, because that means something's entering our bodies, whether it's the mouth, anus, oh, or vagina. Times I said no. We, you yes. are in control. Yes. And so yes. you ask for what you need during sex. And I think, you know, what troubles me, honestly, is that pressure we feel to, oh my God, I've just got to keep going, or it's uncomfortable, I've just got to put up with this, or I said I would do this, so I'm going to do it. That is, you know, rape culture, essentially. Yeah. That's part of that culture of feeling that we are required to do something right. against our own consent or will. And you are never, it's, ever, yeah. and if that person doesn't stop when you ask, that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different now. conversation than I that's suggest a whole right. different episode. That's but, absolutely right. But well, you are entitled to yeah. have what you want with your body and to feel what you want. Yes, because I feel like, and then I know some guys, especially me, like, when I got cheated on, I was like, okay, so what did I do? Like, obviously, I, like, I went into that mindset. So when I mm -hmm. went to the next relationship, I'm like, okay, what can I do, basically, to, like, keep it spicy, keep it this or that way he want? And I find most guys, especially guys that I talk to, or people that I talk to, like, through the podcast or through mm -hmm. DMs, like, they are suffering the same thing. Like, they yeah. got, like, they was their trust was taken for granted. So now they feel like, oh, I have to become this whole different person just to keep a person and keep them happy. I was like, honey, he going to leave or they going to leave or she going to leave when they want to leave. Like, if it's not working for them, they going to dip. And I know there were several incidents that I was like, no, sis. And I kind of did some mess up things. And that's a whole rated R moment. I ain't going to go into her because I don't know if it, YouTube will allow me. But, you know, I just stopped in unique ways and it's okay. So DM me if you want to learn how to stop. It's fine. I'm willing to do a class about it. Uh, but I love that. You Teach just got to be, I hate when they say just power bottom, but you could also be just a powerful person. Like, mm -hmm. I hate that. Sure. I hate that term, power bottom, like powerful. No, you a powerful person. Because if I could say no... And then I could say, yes, I'm that bitch. So, yeah. That's absolutely right. I, I love this. I mean, having that agency over our bodies and feeling like, listen, it, it, the thing you said about, you know, feeling like if we've been cheated on that, you know, we've got to prove ourselves more or keep this mm. person with us more, do something. You know, there's so many self-worth issues that come up around that because already, you know, many of us queer men growing up being told that we're wrong or that you know what we desire what we feel is wrong already is going to shake up our self-worth right there's yeah. already so much in society so much in legislation so much in norms that already tell us that we're supposed to be worth less so that's going to get in there to begin with and then when we're on you know apps and people are saying things like you know not interested you're too ugly you're too fat you're too whatever yeah. it is that's going to get in there about self-worth too and then you talk about, you know, uh, cheating, certainly that's going to shake up our self-worth. So, so many of us feel that we are not worthy of keeping a partner, mm. that we have to do all of these special things to get this person. And sometimes things we don't even want to be doing to keep this person. Right. And that, I'll tell you right now, 
If you have to change yourself at all to maintain a relationship, that is not a healthy relationship. A healthy mm. relationship is one that makes you more of who you are, not less of who you are. Period. You want because a relationship is a spiritual place for growth. Growth, right? It's a place where we come together so that I can grow into more of myself, and you help right. me become more of me. And if it's not doing that, go home and masturbate because that's a lot better. For real. Than what we're <laughs> and just have. I feel like because I started doing this, I started because I made. Like a New Year's resolution, like, okay, last year, like, I was so focused on other people and so focused on, like, the podcast and all this. I'm like, I got focused on me. Like, I started counseling last year, and I was like, it's been great ever since. So I do, like, self-date night. So I will literally, like, just treat myself. You might not see me posted, but I just treat myself. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll watch a rom-com movie by myself. It's fine. If I need to cry it out, it's fine. If I got to draw it out, it's fine. If I want to somehow write a magical book that's how i started writing the book so you know like you just have to also nurture yourself and like what you need because i was like i never knew i wanted to write a book i never knew i wanted certain things until i sat with myself like damn i really don't like sex i like the intimate shit damn mm-hmm. <laughs> what i never thought until i started doing self-date nights and counseling so y'all just need to discover yourselves like just discover that's the message I- Yes, this and then this is why I do sensitivity work. I want every queer man to discover themselves, to know exactly who they are, so that then they can build a life that feels like them. Because that yes. is the key to meaning and happiness. You externalize what's inside, you will be happy. Have mm-hmm. a job, relationship, clothing, whatever that feels like you, you're gonna be a happy person. And and you mentioned this about uh self-dates, and this um is an exercise I want to say before uh we wrap up today, because it's so important yeah. to me, is that if you want to try something really cool to work through shame, this is a little bit of an advanced technique, so some of you might be kind of like, what the fuck, Mike? That's okay. <laughs> um, this is something that I think you might like, which is write an erotic story about some fantasy of yours, something. It can be a sexual fantasy, even a romantic fantasy, but especially sexual, and really go there. You know, you can use porn, anything that you've really liked in the past as a guide to get you started, but really go there. You know, maybe it's a locker room and someone's dominating you. Maybe you're Mm. seducing someone at a party. Like, really let yourself, something that turns you on. And then, this is the advanced part to it, read it out loud while masturbating. Hear your own voice saying these words while masturbating. And if something comes up, like some shame comes up, interject in the story and say that. Be like, I can't believe this fucking turns me on or I'm such a slut or what's wrong with Mm. me. Like say those things while it's coming up, while you're reading this, through the point of orgasm. I cannot talk to you about how powerful it is you know, to not eradicate your shame, but integrate your shame. Because every part of you is right, including the parts of you that thinks you're not right. So allowing that to say, you know what, like, there's a part of me that's afraid of all this because I've learned to be, you know, internalized homophobic or whatever. And I'm going to let that be part of the conversation. And I'm going to let that arouse. I'm going to say, oh my God, what if like this person walked in and saw me reading this story out loud and feel that shame and allow Mm. it to turn you on, allow it to be in there with you. That is a powerful, powerful exercise. That is definitely powerful. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna just hear people through my holes because I literally, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> so. Yeah, well, just... obviously you want safety and privacy and you might have to whisper if you have to. So do what you need to do, but you know, it can yes. be really powerful because when you think in your mind, it's one thing, but when you hear those words out loud, like mm. it just makes it more real. And that kind of stimulates your body a little bit more. Yes. And it can be really helpful at working through 
claiming our desires and things that we're right. actually ashamed to ask for. Because if I can't read a story out loud to myself in my privacy, there's no fucking way I can ask someone to do that for me. Period. There's no way I'm going to be asked for that in the bedroom. So it's allowing us to really claim who we are and say, I'm right. And what I desire is right. And you know what? This is the other thing I'll say. You might say some weird shit while you were masturbating. That is amazing. Let all that stuff come out. It doesn't even matter what you say. There are times where I'm having sex with my husband and he says, is that true? I said, I have no idea. I was orgasming. I don't know if it was true or not. It doesn't matter. Like, it's something that wanted to come out. No. I felt some shame around saying it. So I just said it to say it. Yeah. And it doesn't I matter like, if it was true or not. Especially, I feel like this is just a meme in general, especially in the queer community. Like, it's like we think so nasty. Like, I know you see the pictures like a porn video, like right before the release. And then after the release, you just look at it. You're just like, ew, I, I didn't know I like that. Oh, oh, my gosh. Turn it off. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I just feel like whatever we are in that moment, I know I say some crazy shit. And some guys yeah, like, it's great. Isaiah, you change your whole voice and everything. I'm just like, oops, sorry. That's it's just a part of you that wants to be expressed. And you know what? If that does happen after, you know, orgasming, you do have some shame, go journal about it and journal about mm. why you feel shame. Because that, I think everyone talks about that, that, like that should happen. You should, no, you should not feel shame. You do not have to feel shame after sex or after yeah. watching some kinky stuff or after saying some stuff. You are right. Who you are is right. Everything you say, even if it's just something that needs to be said to be said and it's not even true, that's okay. So just yes. letting yourself know that like it's cool. And I'm a big fan of taking a moment and journaling and be like, I felt really awkward about that. And what if my mom heard me say that? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, just letting yeah. yourself sit with that shame. Like, it's okay to – we live in a world that is, you know, homophobic, queerphobic, transphobic, racist, yes. sexist, misogynistic. Yes. Like, we have all this shit inside of us that we don't even know is in there. And sometimes things just need to be worked through and mm -hmm. processed. And it's okay if we just – whatever comes up. You know – some of our fantasies may be like seemingly problematic. I was working with a, a female client yesterday and we were talking about fantasies she had of fantasizing. She's now in her 60s, but yeah. of being a teenager and fantasizing about her school teacher. And she's like, isn't this problematic? And I was like, sure, but you're not acting out on this thing. Like you're <laughs> allowing yourself to process yeah. and reclaim something that was repressed at an earlier age. You know, it's a very different dynamic. And I think that this is really important to allow ourselves just even if we're like, oh my God, this is obviously internalized homophobia or I'm, you know, fantasizing about straight men. In actuality, in real life, we certainly don't want to, you know, just give straight men all of our money and time and attention. Right. But if that's something you're needing to work through in that moment, that's okay. And you can journal about it and process it later. Mm. I just, I'm, I'm just like this, taking it all in, just like, I'm going to probably watch this over and over, be like, with my friends, and be like this, I know, girl, yeah, you better take that note down, sis, yes, you better take it down, oh my gosh, so this, so you also do just like, enter, like, personal, uh, working, um, what's the word, what's the word, it's on top of my head, working, uh, consulting with, like, anybody? Yeah, with anybody. So, you know, I like I said, I've been doing this work now for about eight years. I don't work exclusively with queer men, but that's obviously yeah. a big focus of mine, a lot of work I do. Um, but really why people hire me, um, like I work with a lot of drag queens, porn stars sometimes, actors, you know, comedians, people in that realm, yeah. um, a lot of entertainment realm. And people hire me to basically map their experiences and tell them what they subconsciously do when they're successful. So a lot of mm. times people who are 
coaches, entrepreneurs, entertainers will really like this work because it will tell them how to be more authentically themselves, how to put that into their branding, how to put that into yeah. their scenes, how to put that into their comedy skit. Um, but anybody can use this work for spiritual growth, for you know better sexuality, for loving your body more, because what it's really yes. doing is telling you what you're most sensitive to and why this worked out or this didn't work out and how to start to build that life that feels like you. So if you're ever like, shit, I keep getting stuck. Actually, do we have a moment to me to tell you a story? Oh, yeah. This might help. I think Let, we let's, have, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's we, we do All right, let's do it. So I um, you know, I, I have two stories to share with you. One of them is in my previous group, there was a guy who came in and he said, Mike, I am addicted to Grindr. I'm on it all the time. I'm having these hookups, but I don't feel good afterwards. So I have a hookup. I don't feel good. And then I go back and do it the next day. Like, why? What's wrong with me? Am I fucked up? And so well, first of all, you're definitely not fucked up. You, this is not an uncommon thing. One. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I said, but I'll tell you why. So I said, all right, let's map your sensitivities. And I remember three sensitivities we mapped. One of them was alive, one of them was intimate, and one was dedicated. And I said, okay, so tell me some things that make you feel alive in life. And he said, oh, okay. Um, you know, going hiking, new experiences, travel, dancing. Um, I said, okay, cool. So I, I said, give me something that make you feel intimate. And he said, being around queer men, you know, friends, body contact, massage, being in nature. So okay, cool. And I said, give me some for dedicated. And he said, okay, um, you know, long-term commitment, going to the gym even when I don't want to, you know, uh, doing things even when they're hard. And I said, okay, great. And I said, so what you just told me is that new experiences with body contact excite you, but if it doesn't have long-term commitment, it doesn't feel fulfilling for you. Mm -hmm. You have just explained that to me. So I know why you are on Grindr, and I also know why <laughs> it's not feeling good for you. So he yes. said, well, what do I do about this, Mike? I said, well, let's circle a few new words. So we circled hiking. We circled, you know, community with queer men. We circled long-term commitment. And I said, are there any like rock climbing gyms or sports leagues or hiking or nature with queer men in your community? And he lived in, I think, uh, California. So he said, yeah, yeah, there's like a hiking club I could join for queer men. I said, join that club. Talk to these guys. I guarantee you will meet better men doing this. Oh. Right away, meet better men. Because what I'm doing is, you know, I'm understanding that Yes. Every desire we have is a strategy to get your needs met. It's not the need itself. It's a strategy. Mm. Just like my friend, she's pregnant. Yeah. She desires potato chips. I can tell you <laughs> right now, she doesn't need potato <laughs> chips. But what she needs is like the magnesium and all these minerals yes. in the potato chips. So her body craves that, right? right? This is the same thing. He's craving new experiences with body contact or mm. craving ways to get his sensitivities met. But the best strategy he knows is to jump on Grinder, And that's not a bad right. strategy. For some of us, it's going to be fantastic. Right. But because he wasn't feeling fulfilled, we want to take a look at why wasn't he feeling fulfilled and what would fulfill him along those same sensitivities. Yes. I, I got one more story for you, and then I promise I'll shut up because this is a, oh. another good one. Go, so, go you know, say the story. <laughs> say, I got to say, I got to say. So um, I had this client come in, and this one was really down in the dumps because he said, Mike, I feel so fucked up. Something is wrong with me. I can never tell anyone about this because I am going into debt. And so well, his problem was he's a black gay man and he was paying uh, white OnlyFans creators, these muscly guys, to show their hole for him. And he was just paying them um, money and he was going into debt over this now. And he, it's, like, it's a compulsion. It's a fetish. Yeah. I cannot stop myself with. Something is wrong with me. So, well, again... You're not fucked up. Nothing is wrong with you. But there's a reason you're doing this. Right. So let's find out what the reason you're doing this is. 
And yeah. so we went through his sensitivities, and um, three of them that I remember offhand were powerful, calm, and um, in yeah, intimate again. And so I said, okay. Um, I said, so you have a lot of anxiety, right? And he said, well, what do you mean? How would you know that? I said, well, if I see calm, I know you have a lot of anxiety. So I said, so where is your anxiety worse? Tell me. And he said, well, it's worse at work. And I said, is that because you're on a big team and you feel like just a number and you're not supported enough? He said, yeah, how would you know that? I said, because I see intimate here. You do well with intimacy. So when you're not getting intimacy, yeah. you're going to feel a lot more anxious. He said, okay, this makes sense to me. So, all right, all right, let's go a step further here. So you're dealing with your anxiety by going home. You're watching porn. What else are you doing? Are you playing video games? He said, yeah, I play a lot of video games. I said, okay, do you always pick the really dominant avatar? And he said, yeah, I do. Why would, how would you know that? <laughs> because you want to feel powerful, right? That's your way of dealing with, you know, yeah. the lack of intimacy at work and calm. So this makes sense. I said, all right, let's go further here. So you're watching porn. You specifically want to see powerful men in intimate situations, right? And he said, yeah, this makes sense. I said, all right, now let's go one step further here. You know, you've already told me that you don't feel powerful in life. He said, he said, I don't feel powerful in life at all. You know, I'm really struggling. I said, okay, you don't feel powerful in life. And you are sensitive to how not powerful you feel. And in your mind, you've told me that you see these white, muscly men as the most powerful people in the queer community. So after a long day of work, when you are completely anxious because of your job, with the click of a button, you can control all of these men and get them to show their hole to you. Would that be appealing to you? To have that power over them is like, holy shit, I'm not fucked up. So you're not. You're There's not. There's nothing <laughs> you wrong with you. This makes total sense why you're doing this. I said, but I don't want you going into debt anymore. I don't so let's find ways that you feel powerful and intimate and calm without going into tons of debt. Yes. And so we were able to kind of develop a strategy for him to stop paying all these guys and you know, work on his own fetishizing of them and start to um, feel better about himself. Mm. And I want to share that message in closing because you're not yeah. fucked up. No matter what you think, what you're doing, what fetishes you have, there's nothing wrong with you. And right. we can begin to prove that and understand it and actually build a life that feels like you. Right. I feel like that's going to be the title of this episode. You're not fucked up. I feel like that's the yeah. best way to sum this up because everything we talked about is like discovering yourself, like realize like, hey, you like this because that's part of who you are. It's not because yes. you're shaming. Like each part of ourselves deserves to be, have, have a spotlight. We shouldn't yeah. have to switch it up just for social media or for a guy or for a girl or for you know porn or for whatever but in closing thank you so much for coming on to the zaya show being the first guest on video format guys i know i love video format more i, I just love looking people in the face and be like yes i totally get it because it's so hard on audio be like okay I can't right look at and you, you like but... the eye contact right you like yeah! that connection <laughs> i'm an there eye contact go. girl so your gptq miss group has an opening in March, correct? I know y'all just Yep, started. I'm having the next round in March. Yep, so we're going to have yes. another round going in March. And all social media of Mike will be in the bio of everything. So if you're looking at this on YouTube, go into the bio. If you're on Anchor, Spotify, Google, whatever, look in the bio. You will see his Instagram. You see his website. I'm getting all that information from you, sis. You're getting everything. So you will have everything. If you feel inspirational and you just want to just soak up more of this positive vibes and just this acceptance. Thank you so much, Mike Amil. Please give it up for him. Virtual claps, virtual clap, virtual claps. Thank you so much for coming on to the Zaya Show. Oh, thanks for having me.